0: i shifted my position so we don't get the sunlight right behind me nice to see all of you and i'm thinking it's been a long day huh a lot of are people tired the end of the day yeah i see i see it i see it but it's worth it it's worth it (laughs) you'll see it's worth it and how um is my sound is the sound okay it's good. I just switched a microphone. Um, all right. So let I want to talk tonight about this map that I have been referring to that helps us understand what I call the spectrum of awareness practices and how they might be relevant to our lives. And I think when I think about a map, I think about, I use a map to get somewhere. So the first night I had to reflect on where you were going, essentially. So I suggested that you reflect on what is your heart longing for? What is your intention behind being here? And I'm just going to pause for a moment. If people wouldn't mind putting into the chat, whenever you feel comfortable in terms of your intention, your longing, what you are Where do you want to go? Like you want to get this map because you want to go somewhere. Where do you want to go? So I'll just pause for a moment if you're willing. I'd love to hear a few things. I want to experience natural awareness for more than half a second, okay? (laughs) Longing for more peace and ease, get back to stillness. Journey into myself for greater clarity and insight. Finding stability and grounding in a moment of transition. Be more present for my life. Presence and patience instead of distraction. To stay fully present in each day, to not lose a moment of the precious now. Deeper understanding of awareness, inner space and quiet. My longing is to know my inner knowing. Mm. To be open to experience joy, love and gratitude. To teach compassion by example. Deep in practice. Stabilize mindfulness mindfulness, and dwell more in formless awareness. Yeah, beautiful. There's so many lovely intentions. And, um, and getting in touch with our intention is kind of the key piece. It's like, why would you even pick up a map in the first place? You pick up a map because you're trying to get somewhere. And, of course, we know that we need to hold this goal lightly, right? And it's not that... Uh, People just said these wonderful things, and and it's likely maybe that some of that will be realized by the end. And a lot of it is a lifetime journey, right? And to just trust that we're in a process and that it's that when we can we can find maps that help us get where we're going, but there's lots of maps out there. There's many meditation maps and many spiritual traditions. There's so many different ways of looking at how how to meditate or how development happens. And so this is one map, and it's a map that I have developed because I have studied with many different meditation teachers over the last 30 years. And I would go to one place, and I would learn a certain meditative technique. And then i go go with another teacher, and I'd learn a different meditative technique. And I would think, wait a minute, they're really different. How are they both teaching me how to be aware? I don't get it. This one says, focus on your breath. This one says, just sit there and do nothing. This one says, look at the nature of awareness. And I would, I would, for years, I just could, I didn't understand how they related to each other. And for me, when I first started meditating, there was this really profound longing for peace. I remember, like, I I started meditating at a time in my life. I had just graduated from college. I was very lost and very confused and trying to figure out, like, what am I doing with myself? And I ended up, I had traveled to India. And I ended up in the, where the Dalai Lama has a government in exile in Dhar- Dharamsala. And there were everybody, the whole town is filled with Buddhist teachings and everybody's practicing Buddhism. And I was like, wow, Buddhism, what is that? That's, I was a big skeptic. But because everyone was doing it, maybe there was a bit of peer pressure and it made me interested. And so I decided to go on a meditation retreat, not like this. It was more of a, like a kind of study retreat. And I remember that sitting in the monastery and this nun giving a teaching and she was saying that the world is filled with pairs of opposites there's where there's pleasure there's pain and these opposites there's always a positive and negative there's where there's pleasure there's pain where there's gain there's loss where there's fame there's disrepute where there's praise there is blame and that our life is like this giant roller coaster And we're going, we're running madly after the positive one and running away from the negative one. And there isn't peace. There isn't peace. And I heard this and something inside me just went, oh my gosh, that explains my life. That explains my longing for, in particular for me, it was praise and wanting to do well, succeed at school, get good grades, have people love me, wanting people to see that I was great. That was sort of my thing. And I realized what a trap it was by hearing that. I realized that you could spend all your time running after praise or pleasure or gain, but you would always, the other one would always be right behind it. Sometimes this is called the four worldly winds or the four worldly dharmas. And so that nun at that time said, there is a way out and this way out is to create a mind that can be okay no matter what is happening. A mind of equanimity, of even-mindedness, of balance. And how do you do that? You meditate. And at that point, I'm like 21, two years old, and I just go, I'm I'm in. <laughs> I'm all in. I want a mind like that. So of course I it had a bit of like a grasping quality. Like I want now, I had, now instead of trying to get an A and school, I wanted to get an A in meditation. So I sort of switched it over. But, um, but I went straight into a deep uh, dive into meditation practice. And over the 30 years of my my practice time, as I mentioned, I studied with different teachers, I studied in um, a lot in Southeast Asia in Thailand and Burma, I lived as a Buddhist nun for a year with a um, Burmese master who I had met at first in the early 90s and then in the end of the 90s i studied with him and practiced in his monastery i found the insight meditation tradition and practiced um, uh, particularly with uh, initially insight meditation society on the east coast with the teachers there and on the west coast and i just spent m- really months and months and ultimately years learning meditative practices So as I said, I wanted to figure out ultimately how they fit together, because I was learning multiple maps and it was getting confusing. And when I started sort of landed on this, I I started, well, longer story than that, but to, to make it short, when I landed on this map, this map is a way of putting together practices connected to awareness and how they fit together in terms of narrow versus broad, effortful versus effortless, and object-based versus objectless, which I'll get to in a few minutes explaining what that is. And that I realized that most awareness practices, at least the ones that I had learned, could be mapped along this way. And that once I started to do that, I realized, oh, this is so helpful because we can do this practice, And it'll have a certain effect and we can do another practice. And they're not, they're equal. It's not like one practice is better than the other. They just serve me in different ways. And so that was the map that I've developed and I've followed many maps. And I will say that through meditation, I have found peace. And it's not a peace that is... Every moment, sometimes I get triggered and upset and annoyed and, you know, all sorts of things happen. And I have I have an 11 year old, so that's a great way to get triggered and annoyed and all those things. But. um, But underlying it is this connection to my practice, to my love of the practice and the peace that is accessible through a committed and uh, and just, you know, long-term approach to finding awareness and to awakening in that process. So so let me talk a little bit about this map. And I want to just give an aside, which is that there's many types of meditation. So mindfulness and awareness practices is one kind of category of meditation. You can think of meditation like a big category. Like sports is a huge category. And there's tons of types of sports. There's water sports and ball sports and sports you do outside, sports you do inside, and right. There's lots of categories. You can think of of meditation practices in the same way. And I just define meditation as practices that cultivate inward investigation. So there's many practices. And and for instance, when you just practiced with Carol a few hours ago, you did a loving kindness meditation. It's not exact. It, it's not the same thing. It's not an awareness meditation. It's a practice that cultivates qualities of the heart. So that's another type of meditation practices that cultivate qualities. Um, when you were doing some movement meditation with Lissa, right, this is she was, they were bringing in mindfulness, they were bringing in um, mindfulness into the body, but it was also in and of itself, it was a type of meditation, a moving meditation. And so we, um, so my, so if you've ever done, anyone have ever done transcendental meditation, for instance, that's a whole other type. It's different than what we're doing here. Or a healing journey where you think about, um, you know, you go on a guided journey. These are all different types of, of ways of practicing, and they're not exactly about awareness. But they're all related. You know, they're, all, they're all wonderful ways to practice with different goals. It's when you're trying to get somewhere, right? Get somewhere somewhere else. Okay, so let's talk about the spectrum of awareness practices. The spectrum of awareness practices takes us, as I said, from focused to broad. And we already talked about that some, like the analogy being the camera length that's very tight versus wide open and spacious. It takes us from effortful to effortless. So today is a day that you have been putting in a lot of effort. Has it felt like you put in a lot of effort? <laughs> like, work hard, pay attention, pay attention. Why? Partially because our minds are pretty wild because it's the first day of a meditation retreat. And it's always like that. But um, but what's happening is we're learning to come back to the present moment, and it takes a certain amount of effort. And as we progress along this continuum, it begins to get more it begins to get less effortful. So the analogy that I use is that if you're riding a bicycle and you pedal, 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 and it's hard work, but at a certain point, perhaps you're going down a hill or something, you just coast, you just go. And so, so with mindfulness practice and awareness practices, you'll find that sometimes it feels like you're pedaling and sometimes it feels like you are coasting. And sometimes if you pedal enough, then you can coast. So that is why we start ourselves off with the effort, because it's typically easier to go from the effort-based practices into the more effortless practices if you start with some effort. So you work, 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 and then you kind of rest on your laurels a little bit. It's not exactly that. And then the third the third sort of parameter that I talk about is... is um, object base versus object-less. So that, is, that sounds like technical jargon, and I'll just explain it. Object is the things we notice when we meditate. When we meditate, we notice that there is breath. Today we focus on breath. We focus on body. We talked about sound. So there's breath, body, sound. There's thoughts. There's emotions. There's all sorts of things going on in our experience. These are called objects of meditation. Most of the meditation focuses on that, but the last kind of areas, the further along on the spectrum, focus on objectless meditation. So, meaning not focusing on objects, then what are you focusing on? And the answer is awareness itself. We turn our attention from the objects to awareness itself. And when we get to natural awareness in a few days, we'll talk about how one does that experientially. And some of you may already have been practicing it and getting a sense of it. So, so uh, people tend to have their meditation habits right? People tend to, so some of you are fairly new, but most of you have had a practice. And so the good, the ones of you who are new, that's great. You're not going to get into a rut right away. Um, But for those of us who've been practicing a while, we get into our, our typical ways of practicing and we don't realize that there's a whole more expansive way of being aware and of understanding. And by the way, as I think I mentioned, this type of awareness shows up in our daily life too. Sometimes we're we're focused, sometimes we're wide open, just this kind of simple, the narrow versus broad. Sometimes it's easy to pay attention, sometimes it's really hard to pay attention. Read something you love, super easy to pay attention. Read something you hate, really hard to pay attention, right? So we make effort in different ways and we have to like work hard to grasp that article we're reading or something. So we get in our ruts. And I remember I was teaching a retreat recently teaching these practices and someone said, I didn't know there was anything else to do other than notice my breathing. And this person had been practicing for 10 or 15 years. So they've gotten kind of in a rut. And it's okay, because they probably had developed a lot of concentration. That's what happens when you focus. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, but But what can be really interesting with these maps is learning how to have flexibility and fluidity and like tools. You can say, oh, okay, I'm going to try that. And if I try that, what happens? And if I try that, what happens? And so we can either we can address problems in our meditation. We can learn to identify and assess where we are, and we can also learn to. we can also learn to expand what we're doing in really interesting ways so that we don't get caught in the, rut, in the ruts. So we find different approaches when we get stuck and we can also enhance our practices. Um, so what I wanna do now is go through the different types because each day on this retreat, we'll be focusing on one of them. And I want to remind you that as I go through them, you might be, you might have different reactions. You might say, for instance, like, oh, this one I love, but this one makes me feel overwhelmed. I can't stand it. Or I'm going to just stay here. This feels right to me. Absolutely fine. You can learn to trust your practice, to trust like, oh, okay, this is what's working for me. And I hope you'll get a breadth of experience of, of things to do as you do this sometimes you'll say wait a minute i've been doing this my whole life i have had people say to me i never knew anything about natural awareness but when you described it i realized like i've always been doing natural awareness so we start to identify what's happening in our experience and this is there's not really in my mind a hierarchy it's not like one is better they're different they work in different ways So let's talk a little bit about the focused awareness, focused awareness, the way that you focus your awareness is this is what we've been doing today. And I'll just go over a little bit because I want to shift into where we're heading, but just so we have a kind of conceptual sense. Our mind tends to be scattered. Uh, I I could probably bet that most of us have scattered minds. When we bring our minds together, there's like a, it's like we're, We're collecting, gathering our mind, creating clarity. So the analogy is if you ever as a child, for instance, took a magnifying glass, went outside in the sun and put the the glass under the sun and took some newspaper. Do you ever do that? And you know what happens, right? You know what happens? You burn the newspaper. So the bright, shiny rays of the sun, which are very diffused, get gathered, 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 and then they come and they burn the newspaper because they get power, they get strength. An untrained mind, a mind that does not have a lot of concentration, doesn't have a lot of stability or strength. But if we keep focusing on something, and today we've been focusing on breath and body, it doesn't have to be that. It could be there are meditation practices where you focus on a word. Like om om om, or there's practices where you focus on um, a candle or an image or light or something, and you just keep going there, going there, and if you do it over long periods of time. Your mind can go into places of um, of like blissful states. Actually, that's what gets cultivated: blissful, concentrated, very gathered states. In the Buddhist world, they're called jhanas. J h a n a. That's probably not going to happen in just, you know, a day or so of doing it or even doing meditation on a daily basis, although it's not impossible. It can happen for some people. But this is this is this is one way to practice in the awareness practices. We're not doing concentration just for the sake of concentration. We're doing concentration in order to stabilize our mind, to be more mindful and see things more clearly. So mindfulness, as I define it, is paying attention to our present moment experiences with openness and curiosity and a willingness to be with that experience. It's not about creating a specific state of mind, like a blissful state of mind. It's about the awareness that is available to us to be aware of whatever is happening in life. And as we move into the next stage, which will be the investigative stage, we're gonna really see how mindfulness kind of shines through here. But going back to concentrated mind, we we can cultivate concentration through these practices. and So there's a lot of research looking at how, doing how mindfully attending to one thing over and over builds concentration and creates that quality of mind that is able to be stable. So um, we did a study very early on when I was hired before I was hired at UCLA, looking at children and adults with ADHD, sorry, adolescents and adults with ADHD, attention deficit disorder. And what we saw that we gave them an eight week mindfulness program and what we saw at the end of the program was their ability to focus had improved quite significantly, so significantly that some of the scientists looked at it and said, was that, what kind of medication did you put them on? And we said, no, no, it was meditation. That was with a T, not a C. But, um, but what, the, the kind of, there's different types of attention. And the type of attention that was most affected was called, is called conflict attention. Conflict attention is, let's say my hand I'm asking you to focus on my hand. This is what we did this morning with the fish, right? Focus on one thing, and then I'm distracting you. Are you distracted? Try not to be too distracted. <laughs> Conflict attention is that ability to stay with the hand. Talk to the hand, right? So it's it's um, if you have uh, if you you know think about kids in a classroom and they're being asked to pay attention to the teacher, but Children with ADHD, it's hard to do because conflict attention is very, very, um, it, it's underdeveloped. And so so you're distracted by other kids and by things out the window and stuff in the room and whatever is in front of you. But once you develop concentration, you can notice the hand, oh, that hand, and stay focused. And this is really what we're doing. We're building this power of mind so that really in the service well one it's nice in and of itself it feels really good when our mind is concentrated and it's also in the service of being able to to uh look and see clearly often called vipassana or insight meditation a capacity to look and see clearly so um so the things that we did today, like encouraging you, for instance, in the walking meditation to use counting, or you can count your breath, and Carol offered that as well, or to, to use labels, or these are ways of bringing your mind, getting cultivated, getting concentrated. And I will tell you, especially if you're new, and you're just starting out, and you are enjoying concentrating your mind. There's nothing wrong with staying here. It's really lovely way to practice and it's an extremely helpful way to practice. So do not feel like you're forced to follow along with this map in this way. Um, But what I will say is, uh, I mean, I had a student recently who said to me, this is my favorite way to practice. It's so yummy. I don't wanna do anything else. So if it's feeling yummy to you, go for it, stay. And we're going to talk about what comes further along. So the next stage or the ne- it's not even a stage, it's like a kind of like a, a station. Like, go to the next station on this train track. Here we are. Is this is what I call investigative awareness and investigative awareness is. For those of you who are familiar with the um, insight meditation, this is like really the territory of insight meditation. This is where we begin to explore and understand our body and mind, because if you remember in the fish exercise we did first, we had to stay with the plant. But then I had you notice the fish, follow the fish. Okay, then come back to your plant, follow another fish. Notice what happens. Notice what I'm feeling inside. Come back to the plant. This is analogous to our meditation. That's what we're going to start doing tomorrow, right? We're going to start not just staying, like right now it's stay focused, your attention wanders, come back. Stay focused, your attention wanders, come back. But with investigative awareness, we want to bring our senses alive and we want to start to feel sense, notice experiences so that we can see them clearly. So, for instance, um This is the territory, and and Alex will talk more about this tomorrow, where we learn to work with our thoughts and emotions. If you're meditating, I'll just give you an example. So let's say you're meditating and you're feeling kind of sad. And it's just in the background and you're trying to cultivate concentration. The idea is sort of just, it's not exactly ignoring it. It's sort of ignoring it, but it's just stay focused. That's your primary focus. But if that sadness starts to feel stronger and obvious, then we don't stay focused. We let go of that focus and we turn our attention to the sadness. What am I feeling in my body? My heart is racing, I feel low or down, there's a there's some heat in my face. We begin to investigate our experience. So this is what this is where we're going to be encouraging you to head tomorrow to not Stay on the focus, but begin to open up to. Oh, there's a sound passing by. Let me turn my attention to that. Oh, there's a memory. Let me turn my attention to that. Bec- bring our awareness. So this is the territory, as I said, of insight meditation. And we don't do it merely to to just like okay, because it's something. It's it's good to notice it. We're doing it to see clearly into the nature of things. So, we're looking at it with very clear eyes or clear experience that is not conceptual. In other words, we're not going, oh, I'm feeling sad. We're feeling the sadness in us and letting it be there. And oh, there's, there my heart is aching and there's a story about what happened. And we're bringing this investigative mind to the experience. It's an open, curious, not a dull knowing. It's not superficial and it also brings a quality of equanimity. And that's one of the amazing things that happened as you practice is this this equanimity that arises when we do this investigative awareness. When my daughter was little i've told the story many times but i'm going to tell it again when i told when my daughter was little um she was a very fearful of noisy things she didn't like being around um crowds and there was this she was like about four and there was a play that i wanted to take her to and she was excited about it and it was halloween and so all the kids were dressed up in all these costumes. And I took her there and I told her at first, oh, it's not going to be too bad. It's not going to be too noisy. It's going to be fine. And we show up and it's, of course, as you would imagine, total chaos, kids running around completely noisy, all this stuff happening. And um, and I started to feel like, uh-oh, I sold her the wrong thing. So I said, oh, I'm trying to fake it. I'm like, honey, it's not noisy. It's not too bad, right? It's just not too many people, is it? And my daughter looked at me and said, no, mommy, it is noisy, but I can handle it. And it's that quality that kind of blew me away. It's that quality of, this is what equanimity gives us, this this ability to be with what is. And go, I can handle it. So when the sadness comes, not only am I feeling it in an experiential way, not superficially, not conceptually, but I'm also feeling it like, okay, I can handle this. I can be with this. This is this quality of equanimity. So this comes through doing investigative practices through noticing what's happening. And Alex is going to walk us through this tomorrow. So so you'll you'll get a sense of it. And as we do this, insights come. And that insight might be, I can handle this. I am overcome with grief. But there's a part of me that is okay because I'm able to be aware of it. Or I'm... You know having this memory and it's overtaking my heart and mind but somewhere inside me there's this sense of okayness this equanimity this willingness this this willingness to weather the worldly winds the praise and blame and gain and loss this comes this is a profound insight and way of being that changes as we meditate And we start to see, and as we practice tomorrow, I'm going to point you towards noticing things about the world, that that it's not permanent, that things are coming and going. They're changing all the time, that, that, that it's not perfect. There's Sometimes there's suffering in life, and that it's not personal. It doesn't belong to us. It's just moving through us. Now of course this could be a whole discussion I'm not going to get into it right now maybe we can talk about it more tomorrow but but this is a way of thinking about what's sometimes called what's called in the buddhist teachings anicca anatta and dukkha actually I did it reverse but anicca it's not permanent anatta it's not you no know, separate self and dukkha suffering is connected to it or there can be unsatisfactoriness So, um, but we can actually point our mind in that direction as we practice. And that's the power of this, this, this way of practicing. So I'm, I'm looking at a dog trying to get out of the room. So let's take a mindful one minute pause, stretch a tiny bit. We have just a little bit more to go. Okay, that's that's the dukkha of dog ownership. Dukkha meaning suffering of dog ownership. You let them out, there's peace, and then a few minutes later, scratch, 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 he's back, and then you let them out again, and he's gone. And that's kind of explains life, right? That's it. It's always like that. It's peaceful for a while till something shifts, you know. Okay, so I did a day at UCLA called Canine Fullness where we for dog lovers, it was this very small intersection of interested people, like people who were crazy about their dogs and crazy about mindfulness. It was like a very small circle of people who put that. But we had a fun day. We got to meditate with our dogs. OK, anyway. The third stop on this this map that I'm offering to you. And by the way, I, I'm not sure I said it, but there are I, there are some handouts um, there's some handouts with, which describe everything. So, so you can look after this, after this lecture, you can go on this resources page, there's some handouts to look at what, um, what I'm talking about here in more depth and more detail. So the third stop along this map is where we begin to open more, where we begin to move into a little bit more effortlessness where we're still object-based. So investigative awareness, I didn't say, it still takes some effort typically, uh, is object-based for sure. And it's a little bit, and and also, and it's um, it's a little bit wider, right? So we move along these stops. So now, so this last, this next one I call open awareness. I used to call it choiceless awareness. Um, And and choice and choiceless awareness, I realize, is confusing because what does that really mean? So, open awareness. Let's think of it that. Also, this is what's typically used in the scientific literature. Open awareness is when our minds, when we, when the anchor dropped away, drops away. So, you have we've been practicing with an anchor. So, remember when we were looking at the fish, they were the wave. You saw the you saw the that plant, and then at a certain point, I said, "Let go of the plant." And just notice what happens as it happens. And you did that and it was like, oh, I can be aware of all sorts of things. So this is the territory of Shikantaza. If you're familiar with Zen, Shikantaza is considered like just sitting. It's when we don't make an effort to stay with an anchor, but our mind is stable enough to notice what's arising moment after moment after moment. So there's a thought, a memory, a sound, a body sensation, another body sensation, right? There's not a, there's not, I'm not saying go back to the breath. You can, but it's, it's, it's a mind that is open and stable enough to take in whatever is arising in your inner and outer experience. It's really fun when, when you get here, if, and when you get here, because of course, not everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea. But it's an expansive state, a responsive state. It's an anchorless state. It's sometimes hard and it is organically arising. Oftentimes it just comes spontaneously. So we'll play with it. I'm gonna, we're going to offer some tools on the third day to play with that as we move from that into natural awareness because this, this open awareness is kind of a stepping stone into the natural awareness. And so I'm going to take the last 10 minutes to just get into what natural awareness is. And I know a lot of you are interested in that. Um, so natural awareness is most open, panoramic, spacious, it is not effortless but it's a minimal effort because sometimes it takes some effort to reconnect with it and it is objectless remember what i said what objectless means so in other words this is when we turn our attention to awareness itself so but there is a kind of version of natural awareness that I want to point to right now, because whether or not I'm going to talk about awareness of awareness for sure. Guess what? The dog's scratching again. Okay, pause at a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Hold on. Come on. Okay, we're back so so awareness so there's awareness of awareness which is really when we might think of it as looking at the nature of awareness itself and if this right now especially if you're new is sounding like way far out esoteric just don't even worry about it because i'm going to talk about the kind of more accessible version of it and then and then when we have the days of practicing natural awareness i'll get into really more deeply into Awareness of awareness and how to practice awareness of awareness. But the more um, accessible version is what really natural awareness, like the awareness that is already present. When I had you settle back with the fish and just open your attention wide and just be this quality that is, in my mind, inherent within all human beings to rest in this fundamental sense of well-being most most people not everyone but most people have had access to this quality of natural awareness i call it natural because i feel like it's natural to all humans i feel like the word natural is evocative of both nature and a sense of just resting so natural awareness is essentially like dropping the techniques and just being in the awareness that's already present and if that even feels too hard connecting with that sense of well-being that is in us even if it's obscured even if it's kind of hidden by the clouds um so so what i've seen with most people i was about to say this is that We've had moments in our lives, and maybe more than moments, where we just are at rest, at peace, at home, in our hearts and minds. And that might be when we're out in nature. It might be when we're in the midst of athletic activity. It might be in the midst of creativity, creative activity. It might be in the midst of dancing or music or with another human being or laughing or just being and. We ha- most people have had the experience of just like oh I am home in my own goodness in my own sense of being. This is so. I'll just ask raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Does it make sense? Raise your hand if you have it. And if you haven't, that's okay because we're gonna I'm gonna help you to connect with it. And it might have been like two seconds, and it might have been something that happened when you were six, right? Seriously, but we. I believe it is a birthright of human beings to be able to rest in a profound sense of peace that is not dependent upon the conditions that that I've been talking about, that our life going a certain way, the world going a certain way, that this fundamental well-being, this natural awareness is within all of us. So, So the first way we're going to practice natural awareness is just to invite that quality in throughout the rest of the retreat. We will look at awareness of awareness and the nature of awareness, all of that, particularly on the fourth day, and that's a little bit more of the advanced. But this one is one that everybody can do because what I'm gonna encourage you is rest, relax, be, soften, allow open. When you're just in between things, and you know, maybe you're not in a session and you just stop and you look out and you look at the sky, you soften your body and just allow and let yourself rest in the awareness that's already present. Or when you're maybe you have a pet, just sit with the dog and let the dog or the cat just be with them and get out of the whole story of you know, oh, no, I have these things to do. And am I doing the retreat right? And what's going on? But just come into this place of well-being that is your birthright, that is available to you. And we're just going to play with that. So, so keep that spaciousness with you. That's why I'm saying do self-care. It doesn't come from being hard on ourselves. It comes from re- resting and settling and relaxing into our own deep true nature. So before we end, I'll do a short natural awareness practice of this territory. And remember, there's more to it, more complexity, more to understand. This is just the one that I want to see infuse your practice for these next few days, or even just a moment, a moment, a moment. So let's, as we, let's just settle back and close our eyes if you want to and feel comfortable. I'm not sure if we said this yes on, yet on the meditation retreat. You do not have to close your eyes to meditate. Most people tend to, but there are some people who prefer to keep them open, and that is absolutely fine. So just settling back, taking a breath or two. And I talked about this natural awareness. Maybe happening at different points in our lives. So, see if as I talk about it, there's anything that resonates with you. Like, is there a time when you remember having this quality of spaciousness, ease, profound well being, or even just a glimpse or taste? And it could have been when you're with a dear friend or in the midst of some natural beauty or out in nature or when you're with, um, doing sports or art, creativity, music, dancing, with animals. Okay, as I say this, see you know what it gets evoked. And, and Is there some time that maybe an actual memory or just a general sense of doing some of these activities? If nothing comes to mind, you could imagine what it might be like. So let that time, place, if a specific memory arises, bring it to mind. Where were you? What did you see, sense, notice, feel? Where were you? Could you hear something? What did it feel like in your body at that moment? spacious, warm, open, connected, peaceful, joyful, at ease. Let yourself rest right now in this place, just resting in your own true nature. This goodness, this fundamental well-being that is your birthright. Soften, breathe. We don't have to go outside of ourselves. It's right here. Peace is possible. So, this my friend is my friends. It's a taste of where we're heading, and a kind of teaser because there's a lot more here than just that, but this is a way that I think that every single one of us can can find the connection or maybe maybe not, but we'll ha- we'll keep working with it and um, and so. That's sort of the official end of my talk. <laughs> Thank you for listening and for being together and I hope I'm giving you this I hope that this map is clearly laid out and as I said I have handouts that you can look at so if you're the kind of person that likes to do those that kind of thing it's there. If you're not then um don't bother looking at the handout. Um so it's the it's the end of the evening and it's the end of our formal time together, and just I just want to say a little bit more about what to do to practice after this. Um, first of all, I'm just looking at all of you and enjoying moving around. I, I, it's so fun to see. There's some people I haven't seen in years, so that's really fun to see that. So glad you're here, all of you. Okay, so. Um, In terms of practicing between now, so some of you, you're on the East Coast, some of you are in different countries, it's different time zone. But for those of you that it's early, if you would like to keep going and doing more meditation, you're welcome to do that. I have posted a specific meditation called the spectrum of awareness practices that you can do if you want to do it. You do not have to do it. If you are burnt out and you're like, I have had enough. It's about a 25-minute meditation, so you could just, you know, just at some point later today, then feel free to do that meditation. If you want, some of you want to stick more formally to a practice structure, you could continue with, let's say, a half an hour walking, a half an hour sitting, half hour walking. You're welcome to either do it in silence or to use that particular meditation. The spectrum of awareness practices, it's linked under the resource page. Um, and maybe our... Um, our retreat coordinator could could just give the link to uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Handouts and meditations. Perfect. Thank you. You were read my mind. Tolan um, The other option is going back to what I said, self care it's big. I know it's kind of a buzzword, but what would be really nourishing and sweet for myself? Like I want to take a walk in the stars tonight. Maybe, I don't know, it's a lot of you in the city, there's no stars. But I want to sit in a hot bath and listen to music that soothes me. I want to just rest and get a ton of sleep. Like, what is going to serve you to help access this quality of natural awareness that we can take with us through the whole meditation? Uh, through the, I'm sorry, through the whole retreat. So even though it's sort of like this spec. Remember, I'm kind of saying you do this and you do this do this, this. I think this, this can be like what infuses our practice. We want this quality to be here for all of us as much as we can. Okay. And that may not be what's coming up. So just I, I trust that you are where you um, need to be. And there's lots of support here to continue on this map. And don't forget, you can do mindful cooking, mindful eating, mindful I wouldn't say mindful like Netflix. Probably not the best idea. Maybe a nature documentary or something. I don't know. But you can see what you want to do. All right. So thank you for your kind attention and your beautiful presence. And and get some sleep some rest. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Okay. Good